Welcome to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. This second series of the podcast is presented under the banner of COVID Connections, and I will be chatting with several of the fabulous people with whom my path has crossed over these challenging past 12 months. My guest today is Maria Montero, an inspiring woman who finds great motivation from working alongside educators and young people to spark holistic and creative learning opportunities. Originally from Portugal, Maria is a performance maker and creative practitioner with a passion for experimental and participatory work focusing on social justice matters in educational contexts. Maria loves to question the audience's role and artist's function within performance art and builds performances using playful exploration, humour and surrealism. Welcome to today's edition of the Coffee and Conversation podcast. Um, Today, my guest is Maria. Um, So welcome, Maria. Hi, Jane. Thank you. And Maria is another COVID connection who, again, we've not met in person. Um, But I kind of feel like I've got a real insight into into who you... Well, I don't know if it's who you are or the characters and your insight through uh, a brilliant uh, play that I watched, which maybe we'll chat about at some point in this podcast. Um, But yeah, it's an afternoon, so I don't have coffee. I have water. I think I missed... I still haven't had lunch, so I think my my drink is going to be water pretty soon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, we'll we'll talk quick so you can go and get your lunch. <laughs> so as ever, um, we will start with a quote. So I'd love to invite you to share the quote you brought for us today. Yes. Um, so my quote is from a book uh, called Ways of Seeing, which was one book that I was uh, reading while I was. Um, devising the the play you mentioned and the quote is the way we see things is affected by what we know or what we believe oh that's a good quote so why have you brought what stood out for that why why have you brought that with you i think well considering the context that i was reading the book i was originally looking at entertainment and reality TV and well, reality is subjective and depends on people and depends the way we look at things. So I think what was really, really interesting for me while I was devising this performance was about how do I, what am I seeing within my reality and within entertainment in this, in that specific case and how, are other people seeing and the different layers of, you know, being an audience member, being a performer, being uh, a digital audience member. And, and that like kind of not only translates, you know, to what, when I'm working, but also translates in me as a person. And obviously I, I, I quite like to work with people and working within education and communities. So obviously having being sensitive to the different views sometimes can be a challenge because, you know, there's always stories you don't know. So you always need to create a space of um, a welcoming space where people feel comfortable enough to, to share who they are. And that requires you to sometimes um, put your guard down as well. And so the way you view things kind of shifts as well. Mm, absolutely and yeah my 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 brain has immediately sparked into action around yeah what is truth what is reality whose reality mm-hmm. how many realities are there all of these kind of things um so yeah I, I I really like that quote um 
and maybe it'd be interesting just so I've seen your uh, your show that was amazing um but for people who um, maybe want a bit more of a context to maybe help understand your your quote a little bit more how would you how would you describe what you created to somebody who hasn't seen it well I would describe it as a cell ever-growing cell uh, the show is called As Real as Reality, and I was performing, my character was a host called Cosmo. Her real name is the real Cosmopolitan, um, how she likes to address herself. But she has a show, a kind of a talk show called uh, The Cosmo Show. And it's very based on the style of Ellen DeGeneres, Jerry Springer, um, Jeremy, Jeremy Kyle, like all kind of controversial people you've probably seen on TV and their interviewing style. And basically the show originally was a durational piece of four hours where she is interviewing um, Sinead, which is a participant who hasn't been prepped. And she basically is invited to join. And then Cosmo just goes on a roll of interviewing. And I think it's important to mentioned that Cosmo is a, a, a pink lover and everything she, she has a, a pink bright wig um she wears a, a sparkly pink dress her set is all pink and it's important that she creates this pink vision of the world but she always kind of adds a little bit of sarcasm or a little bit of darkness or I would say dark humor sometimes but it's Basically, she exposes almost the, the, the rotten parts of the, her participant and sometimes of herself for the sake of entertainment. And finally, in behind the scenes, there's a producer, which is uh, a person I collaborated with uh, from the get-go. And Yasmin, which is the, the, the person I worked with, she is a producer who is uh, talking on a earpiece and telling me things I should ask and kind of pushing Cosmo to go a bit dip deeper, which that itself, it, it becomes a lot of interactions and a lot of problems in one, in one performance. Mm. I, you know, and I have to, you know, I, I watched the hour version that you, you were able to put out and put together, which I think it is, in itself was a feat that you've done all this in lockdown and with COVID restrictions and all sorts of um, all sorts of challenges along the way. But I think this idea of perspective really, and, and maybe it's even more kind of hitting home in my head as you're talking, because what is reality? And mm -hmm. I think about watching your show or any of the shows that you've mentioned, um, I have to say, not that I watch them very often, if ever. Um, but the idea of, you know, something might be presented as reality, but actually how I watch that and the conclusions I jump to from somebody telling a story or the way they've been, the information has been elicited from somebody, you know, I'm immediately going to make assumptions or judgments on that based on my beliefs and my experiences. Um, so does that mean that it's real or is it just my version? I don't know. I'm not well, sure that I, even makes sense as I've said it out loud. <laughs> it, it does. I, I think using the show maybe has a lens to, to discuss this. I, I think, and I, I don't know how, I don't know how relevant this might sound, but the show is irrelevant. And in fact, the content of the show, it's almost irrelevant because it's the whole show is just a prompt to 
and it's all about the audience. And there was always the the aim from the get go. It's not about me making a point or any of my collaborators to make a point or the show to make a point is actually the point is how you will interact and how your reality kind of shifts by watching the show. And it's, it's manipulative. And we used that word before it's, it is a manipulation and I'm just manipulating your time and almost being like, you think you're better than me because you're not in that place, but actually you are as bad as me because you're, you're feeding into this. Mm -hmm. And regardless, if you're just watching the film, maybe it's a less um, enhanced version of what you would experience with the four hours. But even you watching, you will feel something. You will question your relationship with entertainment and what is your role within that. So I would say that reality kind of, of course, realities are different um, because our experiences kind of shape the reality we live. So it's, it's, I think that is the exciting part about it is that no one can, we can relate to each other's realities, but we can never take for granted that we know exactly what someone lives or goes through. Absolutely. And I think the word, if I can get it out, manipulation that you used there, actually, you know, thinking about it, there was so much manipulation within that hour um, that probably happens all around us all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but on many different levels so yeah arguably Cosmo was manipulating the situation for entertainment was potentially manipulating Sinead the guest but then as you kind of got on through the show for me the 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 layers increased so I was like oh hang on a sec but Cosmo's being manipulated because the person in her ear is giving her those directions and you know where are those coming from what view is that is it because you want to portray something different and you know, all of those sort of levels of manipulation um, really started to yeah, feel much more complicated. And as a result, my emotions changed throughout that time. And I suppose how I was reacting to the different characters changed almost the more you knew. And maybe that comes back to views and perspectives and stories and understanding that the more you knew about a little bit of the backstory or the more you, you saw and the length, the... My, I've got an image of a wide camera angle kind of panning out. Mm. Maybe to start with, you're, being, you're seeing a very narrow view. And as you sort of pan out and see more of what's going on, you're able to, your emotions shift and you make different judgments or different connections with characters based on what you see. Mm. Yeah, 100%. I mean, the whole show was a big manipulation. I was talking about, you know, my audience in the studio. There was two people <laughs> in a the massive theatre. You know, everything was a lie. And oh, you, I, I had I had images in my head, and then of course, of course, COVID wouldn't yeah, you know, it wouldn't have allowed you all those hundreds of people that you would yeah, it so deserved to see. But I can do that. Was the exciting part, and I think that's the excite, exciting part when you're making a show or or creating a performance is that you can play with those realities, and it's actually up to you how far you want to go. And I was fortunate enough that stumbled upon Cosmo, which originally she wasn't even meant to exist. She existed because I was using Twitch, which was the platform I used has a, has a, uh, a lab to kind of gauge with the audience and see what people were after. And because I wanted to protect my identity, I asked my flatmate for a wig 
And then Cosmo was born because I was like, I don't want people to recognize me. So I have this clown, horrible clown makeup, this wig. And most of the the live streams I did was people saying, you're you're so weird. And you know, this I, I had a person who asked me if I could, instead of a clown, I could be dressed as a pirate. Like, you know, I had all the kind of interactions and, and Cosmo then was created as a safety mechanism. But also I was like, the, the weirder she is, the more welcoming she becomes, because then that means that you can be anything. And she says, I think in the four hours version, she says, this is a place for the good, for the bad and the ones in the between. And that's what she is. She is like saying, I don't, I don't care what you are because I will use that to entertain someone. And that is as, as an artist is exciting as a human being is terrifying because, you know, I was, I was just going to say something similar. It feels, that feels like two ends of this continuum almost of that. You know, the one thing that I really loved about is, is that, you know, almost the, I think, I think you said the weirder she was, then the more welcoming she became almost that, you know, nothing was out of place and actually in society, wow, wouldn't that be amazing that everybody was, you know, it doesn't matter who you were or what you were or how you showed up you were welcome and you felt engaged and welcome and connected. But equally then to add on this, the add on sentence was something like, I will use that to entertain. Mm-hmm. That's, that's then the bit that shifts welcome and inclusive to, Oh, I'm not sure about this now. And that feels a bit evil. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is hard. And I, I'm not going to lie. I had a lot of ethical issues while doing the performance because as Maria there was a lot of things I didn't agree with in the performance um and the goal at the beginning like my kind of my inquiry throughout the the, the performance was how can I make an ethic a ethical show in an unethical environment mm. because reality tv is not ethical and we know that there's a lot of disbelief and a lot of myths around the making of reality TV, but ultimately reality TV is, is a massive market and, and plays a lot with influencing people. And although we kind of shift and it's almost like a guilt trip of, Oh my God, you watch these things, but we all do. Well, maybe not all, but most of us do and kind of have a, a sneak peek of who is like, who is Kim Kardashian or who is, you know, what is Madonna doing right now? Where is she? Like we all have this fascination for the celebrity lifestyle. And for me, it was very hard as someone who actually didn't watch much reality TV. However, I was interested about that. Then creating a, a character that it lives in that world, it becomes very complicated because there's a lot of ethical conflicts there of Particularly at the end of every rehearsal, I would ask Sinead, are you okay? Is there something like I can do for you? Um, and how could I kind of still make it safe for her to be present without also making the show genuine and have like genuine reactions? Um, and that was very, very hard mm. for me. And as you've just been talking, I've just bought something in my head a spot like reality TV. Actually, is it a total paradox or... Um, I'm not sure that's the right word because whose reality are we seeing? So 
a situation, something is happening and it is then being presented in a certain way to engage with an audience. So whose reality is that? Is it the reality of the people experiencing it? Mm. Or is it the reality of the producers and the editors and the programme makers who've decided that that's how they want to portray that certain situation? In which case, is it then, it, yeah, it's not the reality, it's mm-hmm. the reality that we then connect to and draw our own conclusions on. So, yeah, it, it is, whose reality TV is it, I suppose, maybe is the question in my head. And I'm not sure I can answer it. Because I also, as you're speaking, I was thinking it also very much depends what are, if there's any conflict of interest there. Because it is, although most of the people don't think it is, it, it is unscripted. No, most of the things think it is scripted. It actually is unscripted. However, there is a massive team, which in some, for example, The Bachelor or, or Big Brother, what they call the, the story kind of production story team, mm-hmm. uh, which is basically they go through the footage and then they build the story. But what happened was reality. What happened was true in a way because those people weren't following a script but then you have this the producers who are part and that was very much I tried to be very kind of real in the show while portraying that you have producers who do not tell you what to do but then they go oh she mentioned this have you asked about this and then and then they edit that bit Mm. and I think that is that kind of plays with what you're saying, who reality it is, whose story are we telling? Is it from the story production? Is it from the producers? Is it from the cameraman? Is it from the, you know, the, the TV station? What reality are we playing? And then also there's the reality of those people, which I don't think they are any undermined from these layers. They are, they know what they are doing. And, you know, the... <sighs> the number of propaganda they get then for their products, for their perfumes, for their cosmetics, like they they get something out of that. Even if they are giving away almost their agency, um, it's very complicated because it's about what are your priorities and how much much are they worth? Mm. There's definitely something for me around that that value in there and... um, I suppose in business terms, it's it's a transaction, isn't it? It's the, I am willing to, you know, I, I'm going in with my eyes fully open. I'm willing, although potentially some people will argue, are they really going with their eyes, you know, are they going in with their eyes open? But there's a whole other conversation. But, you know, this idea of I'm going in knowing something, this is what I'm willing to invest. And I know that this is what I will get out of it. So it's that cost benefit. And there might be, and all, all of us individual, I suppose, have to make that judgment over what, how much are we willing to invest or even to some places, how much are we willing to compromise what we believe and what our values are in turn for the return that we may get on that um, investment or potentially sacrifice of something that feels important and where's the tipping point? And I guess for each of us, that tipping point is going to be very different depending on the situation and the... Depending on your reality. Indeed. And I I love what you're talking about story. That feels, you know, whose story is it? And it it brings me back to your quote in terms of those perspectives. And um, you mentioned just just now in terms of the cameraman, the camera women, the um, 
producers, the editors, the participants, the viewers, mm. um, you know, the maybe in some places, some cases when programs are sponsored, the program sponsors, mm-hmm. the you know, all of these people will have a perspective and a view, and depending on where they sit, will depend on what they want to see or you know how they're going to engage. So, what do viewers want? Well, ratings people will kind of look and go, oh. Yeah, a bit of an argument works quite well to get the viewer, you know, a bit of a romance, um, some conflict, a fight, you know, all of those things. So how do we construct some of those out of the reality that we have? Indeed. And I think one of the things I learned that really surprised me a lot is the, the power of a good framing. And by that, what I mean is in the argument... The argument, if, if you really unpick the argument, most of them, some of them is just sounds of somebody grunting or somebody being like, hmm, but and like a, a raise of an eyebrow, but they are putting that music, that tense music and the, the building, like you hear this kind of like cicato violin going and then then you start seeing the drums, like you kind of feel the tense, the, the tension in the air and and if you actually took the music, that moment was would probably be 10 seconds of this, a group of women probably looking at each other. But it's it's the it's the so many layers. And I think it's so interesting the psychology behind being an audience member. If we're gonna kind of flip the narrative, mm-hmm. is like we are comfortable in our sofas watching this happen. And what I think blew my mind was how we take this then to social media. And, you know, and then we just perpetuate this kind of circle of influencing people and reality TV because it is still reality. Twitter is reality. The hashtag is reality. But then it's just us having an opinion about someone who actually never met. And that is amazing. That is terrifying. It's amazing, but it's definitely terrifying. And it's like those ripples, isn't it? So something, mm. and I love what you talked about there in terms of the music. It makes me think of like horror movies and stuff as well. You know something bad's going to happen because you can just hear that music coming in and it just makes the whole scene, nothing may happen, but it's the tension it creates. And the, um, so it's not just about verbal and the ver- you, know, you know verbal dialogue or whatever it might be. It's everything in the situation and how that influences our emotions as audience members. Mm how we react and respond and then now with you know you mentioned twitch and instagram and all these different new platforms kind of that ripple you know gets wider and wider and wider and it isn't just you know maybe 30 years ago you'd go to the theater with a friend and you'd come out and you'd chat with your group of friends or your family about what you saw and maybe the ripple would be slow because you might then talk to somebody else the next week when you met them Mm. but now that ripple of I don't know, what, whatever you want to call it, impact or com- communication can happen in an instant, but not just after, it's in the moment. And and kind of to then bring this to the, to the real world, whatever the real <laughs> world is, um, I was thinking in terms of COVID and the fact that, you know, we've been for almost a year at home, and I was reading some statistics and the, um, the production of reality TV has increased 
quite a lot, mostly because you can produce that uh, in a more COVID safe way because you have less team to be part of that and you can more easily social distance um, from the participants. And one of the things I was reading is how um, watching, I believe it was The Bachelor, um, like binge watching during the COVID, this COVID period uh, has grown 65%. Wow. And, and what they were using as a, um, as a way kind of to measure that binge watching was that if you watch from the same season, three or more episodes in a day. So for me, that was very, very worrying in a way because, you know, we have been, we're being deprived in a way of, of being outside of spending time, like socializing. And then suddenly all the socializing we're getting is this, worlds that have been produced mm -hmm. to entertain us on tv and we're talking about you know really really luxurious lives some of depending on the shows or like like the bachelor finding love or the perfect love and we'll seeing this luxurious dates of hot air balloon and you know a dinner in a in a gondola these kind of things which is completely unreal in a way and we are kind of being fed that. And one of the things I can I was considering after the making the show was what are the the impacts or the effects that this is going to have on us once now that we're kind of being allowed out. How are we? How are we going to perceive our lives? What are going to be our aims? Because our reality for the past year probably has been impacted by what we're seeing on TV. Mm, and that's a really uh, I think that's a really interesting point Part, and, and it it sparks a number of questions in my head I suppose or ideas and thoughts around um you know how if I could watch the same bit of let's say let's take an episode of The Bachelor I could watch an episode and perhaps I'm um you know I'm watching it going actually that's not my reality so I'm watching it for a bit of escapism that could you know it could be if I'm you know really aware that this is just something you know it's not arguably it's reality tv but it's not my real and it's nothing you know so I could watch it and feel that that's total escapism because it's so far removed from me and my reality which would be a very different experience than if I was sat there thinking oh, this is oh, this is where I could get famous this is like my this could be my you know this is how I could meet my dream you know, part dream life partner, or this is my way to make a, you know, to make a living. Those so that immediately impacts on how I'm interacting and how I'm watching that, mm. and you know where I take it, and am I as an audience member aware that it's been manipulated or not? How how aware, you know, those sorts of things. So all of the things around that will totally impact on how I see that performance, or arguably not a performance in this case, reality in inverted <laughs> commas. Um, so yeah, that's just that's really got me thinking about you know who who watches and how we consume it. Very much depends on ourselves. Yes, no, in a, in a low key, I'm also thinking like those shows is not just about you know the outer frame. If we're looking at Bachelor, for example, and we're talking about love and finding love, you know what the show is kind of doing is asking you to reconsider your own life. Mm -hmm. Like, and I can imagine. I, I don't know, but I can imagine someone married for 
30 years and be like, oh, we're not as romantic as we used to be, you know, and looking at these things and almost desiring, like you said, an escapism for being somewhere else, not necessarily someone else. I'm definitely not (laughs) putting emphasis on (laughs) cheating somewhat, but I mean, like giving you almost this, this desire to, oh, what I would do if I had all this money or what I would do if I had this kind of love. And then we forget a little bit our reality or maybe the the place where we are that, you know, we have people maybe near us Mm -hmm. that we are maybe neglecting our relationships because we're trying to achieve something that might be unattainable Mm -hmm. because that's what we are being offered. And I wouldn't put the whole blame on reality TV. I think it's way more complex than that. But definitely there is a danger of how you will then perceive your world once you're being offered this kind of voyeuristic experience of the other life. Mm. And it does feel, um, you know, you talked about COVID and how that's maybe changed how we view some of these things, particularly perhaps if you're, you've been on your own or Mm -hmm. also thinking um, you, you talked about sort of the ethics of making your show, but against the, actually there's some, there's some stuff quite unethical and I wonder for individuals as well, if you don't have a either immediate support network or you don't have a secure base or you know people around you and you are not secure in your world, in your reality, for whatever reason, that could be safety issues, but equally it could be maybe you're, you're a bit lost in life and you don't have those family and you know amazing friends. And so the impact or, you know, on, on you in terms of making, well, my life isn't enough because look, that's how I should be living my life because that's how it's being presented. And if you don't have that network around you to really support you and um, keep reminding you, actually, no, you are enough, then it could be, you know, how you interact could be very different. And perhaps for young people as well who haven't yet had that um, experiences, those experiences within life to know that there is another reality or there are alternatives um, when it's, yeah, particularly if it's surrounding you and you're, you're binge watching three, three episodes a day. Mom. That's properly binge watching, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to confess for me, I did line of duty and this is us. Those are my two like guilty pleasures that. I, I have, have stopped I, this I, us for a while because it, it was, it was taking a toll on me. <laughs> <laughs> now there's that was a, a lot of emotion. Oh. Do you know what? there's a program I'm totally invested in and I know it's not real but I so wish they were all my friends because they are portrayed I think the beauty and and the clever way it's made the show was made is that they can come across as people next door they can come across as your neighbors and that is and that's why you relate so much because it's like this could be real and it's not even the fact of, and, and that is a very interesting premise because it's like, you know, it's not real, but it could be. And what it would be like if it could be real. Mm. And that sparks so many emotions. Yeah. And actually, and how ironic, perhaps, when we'd be talking about reality TV and, you know, this image, you know, you're portrayed in a certain way that actually what you let's take this is us you know there's a huge amount of flaws within those characters you know re- recovering alcoholic jealousy all you know um I can't remember off the top of my head but so many different things in there you know 
death and adoption and you know so many like real life everyday experiences um and they're portrayed in a way it's not you don't just get the glossy this is perfect it's amazing you get the okay here's some great stuff but actually underneath the surface there's all this other stuff that unless we talk about it and you know find a way to communicate and connect with each other it's gonna completely mess these characters up um, and I think maybe that's what you can relate to in a way. Yeah. And Kevin and the Manny. It's just lovely. So there you go. That's my big guilty <laughs> guilty confession out in the air. Manny, if you're listening to this, reach yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, come and do a podcast. We'd love to talk to you. And actually, actually the whole cast. And I'd love Madison to be my friend. Oh, I mean, I would like to be friends of everyone in that, <laughs> that show because they, they all bring something new to it. And I, oh, yes, 100%. Oh, we could, yeah, maybe we could have another three-hour podcast on dissecting This Is Us. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> but no, I'm con- conscious of, um, you know, we're coming to the end of our, end of our um, half-hour conversation. And I think it's been, you know, for anybody who... Um, wants to follow yeah can follow you or follow cosmo on um yes. insta what give us do you want to give a shout out to your uh cosmo uh, oh, cosmo is somewhere very excited about this moment um like she says publicity good or bad publicity is always publicity um right so you can find cosmo uh on instagram the real cosmopolitan um give her a follow if you're the 100 100th follower she probably will give you a shout out uh <laughs> but if you want to find me um my name is maria monteiro so it's a portuguese name so you might <laughs> struggle with that one but i'm sure that you'll find the name if you google it and you can find me on instagram and twitter fabulous and i usually wrap up by maybe sharing a few of my reflections on things that i'm taking um, and while I'm doing that, it gives you a minute, or a, a moment just to maybe think of something that you'd like to leave us with from um, some of the things that we've talked about. And, you know, I think what I what I will take away from this conversation is certainly around this idea of different perspectives and um, the need. And it's something I really believe in the need for us to understand where other people are coming from or understand that more than you know, our way of seeing things is not the only way. And um, in terms of, yeah, in terms of reality and the idea of reality, and I think that big question for me is, well, what is reality? And if we're seeing something just because it says so on telly that it's reality, it's maybe just having that question to kind of go, well, okay, who's reality? But also, I suppose, maybe much more on a personal level. And you, you mentioned that, you know, we've been cooped up in our own worlds in covid but this idea that often I hear myself saying, oh, in real life, and this is my virtual world, or this is my, actually, it's all our real world. It just means we're, we're interacting in slightly different ways. And maybe just a reminder not to get caught up in the idea that a virtual world and a real world are two different things. Actually, it's just virtual in person. It's all part of my reality in my real world. And not to forget that. So maybe that's what I'm going to take um, predominantly um, but yeah so I just invite you just to maybe share a few reflections from yourself and how you'd like to leave us oh yes um I think one of the reflections and maybe this is more awful so uh, something to take forward is that we talked a lot about you know this kind of unreal world of making believe world 
um, which definitely is what Cosmos stands for. Um, and I think what I would like to leave us with and everyone who will eventually listen to this is that Maria isn't Cosmo. And I think that is exciting. And me as Maria being in this conversation really makes me want to say that it is, COVID is difficult. We've gone through a really difficult time and wanting to share those worlds and those kind of realities is okay. And has, um, has a, an artist and has a, a creative practitioner listening to those stories for me is just so important as performing. So definitely I would hope people would consider what is the thing that is in their mind at the moment and what is their reality. And if they ever want to share it with me, I would be thrilled to have a chat, another chat. Fabulous. Thank you very much, Maria. Thank you, Jane. You have been listening to the Coffee and Conversation podcast, the podcast that celebrates great people making amazing things happen. My thanks again to my guest, Maria Montero, and also to you for listening. Until the next time, take care.